<laughs> they change it again. I wish they would come up with a way for me to re record my own voice saying, hey, y'all, this meeting's being recorded <laughs> rather than some robot voice. But maybe that's what the, the paid subscription. Um, so this week is about suffering and salvation. As we go through the, the Bifid structure, um, we have had uh, ruin and rebirth, the rebellion and compliance with King Ahaz and Hezekiah, then the uh, punishment and deliverance aspect of things. And then the last two weeks were on humiliation and exaltation, which all of that is preparatory and foundational to this, which is kind of the, the crux of the whole issue. Uh, suffering and salvation. Uh, Avraham talks about it, how this is uh, the, the crescendo, the apex, the, the main part of Isaiah here is why we need a savior and uh, what the Lord gives us when we need that salvation because we are suffering. So um, I really like this part of the book and I want to kind of pull this apart and uh, define what it's talking about here. Um, but it says that part five, which is suffering and salvation, what we're going to be studying this week and next week, illustrates the nature of suffering and salvation. And this is the, the crux of it. It says that while all suffering involves enduring covenantal maldiction, some suffering is punitive and other suffering redemptive, beginning salvation. So what does that mean? while all suffering involves enduring covenantal maldiction. What does that mean for y'all? What do you interpret from that? Uh, how do we put that into modern English? <laughs> I think this was one of the, the big eye openers for me when I finally understood this concept, because he's kind of mentioned it throughout, but um, it wasn't fully comprehended yet, but that um, all suffering comes from a covenant being broken somewhere along the line, whether it's your own, whether it's a family, generational type of thing, um, that all suffering comes from, from that one source. And um, I don't know, that, that was very eye-opening to me when uh, finally realized that kind of uh, started seeing that in examples around me kind of thing. Um, well, it depends on what your definition of suffering is. Mm -hmm. I know some people whose idea of suffering is a, a hotel without room service. <laughs> yes. you know? So uh, I think a lot of the difference is if you're suffering for something that you know that you did wrong, and you can see how the, um, the law that is incorporated with the covenant was broken and now you're paying the penalty. Um, that is suffering that's meant to teach a lesson. Mm -hmm. um, now, as far as the difference between suffering and salvation and, and the other one is oftentimes we are um we are victims or we are recipients of unpleasant actions caused by others bad choices now i guess whether it's suffering or salvation all depends on your attitude and 
what you feel like. If you feel whatever has happened to you is unjust and unwarranted and you do not deserve whatever it is and that there's nothing that you need to learn from it, somebody else needs to learn from it, then yes, I'm imagining it's suffering. But if you were to... Uh, if you are to experience the consequences of your choices or others' choices, and we can learn and um, and and try to ask the Lord, what lesson am I supposed to learn from this particular experience? Then I think it's more sanctification and salvation. Mm -hmm. So it depends on your attitude, really. But yeah, some, for sure. Um most of the time the punishment we are punished by our sins not for our sins right yeah. um and and that comes from our choices and the consequences that we have that come from those choices and so you know that stuff that's the punitive suffering the suffering that comes purely because we made poor choices mm-hmm you know, um, like you can't choose. What's the phrase? You can choose. You, can choose, uh, you have your choice, but your agency to make a choice. But once uh -huh. the choice is made, you can't choose the consequences. Yeah, I can't choose the consequences. That's what it is. <laughs> and, and the, consequences, the consequences can bring punitive suffering. Mm -hmm. You know, and yeah. if but if you take that and you repent and you turn to the Lord, you can change that punitive suffering into redemptive suffering, which then brings you salvation because you have added the ingredient of Christ. And it makes a change. Those things that make a change in you are is that part of salvation. The things that do not make a change in you, whether it's your fault or somebody else's, is nothing more than just suffering. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if we're going to have to go through it, we might as well reap the good benefits of it, right? So we need to, to take a look at our, our sufferings. And like Neil A. Maxwell says, I, I just don't want to shrink uh, from the, the trials that I, I'm going through kind of thing. I, I think that that's a huge part of it there. And with the Savior at your side, your shrinkage won't be nearly as bad as if you insist on doing it all by yourself mm -hmm. and there are people who do that who insist on well i don't need god i don't need jesus i i'm man enough i can take this on my own mm -hmm. yeah for sure and so um in this uh just the next sentence there um it says that um so that while all suffering involves enduring covenantal maledictions some suffering is punitive other suffering redemptive, beginning salvation, but both intensify prior to Jehovah's coming to reign on the earth, at which time Jehovah manifests his salvation in Zion. So I think that's a, a key uh, part of what like Avraham is, is uh, getting from Isaiah here, that when both types of suffering intensify prior to Jehovah's coming, that's when Jehovah manifests his salvation in Zion. And so um, taking a look at that, this week's study is all about kind of a, a tale of two cities. There's this unidentified city 
um, which is kind of a, a composite type for, for Babylon. And then there's the, the city Zion, that that's where Jehovah's salvation is manifest through proxy work and through proxy suffering and um, those redemptive qualities. Um, but they're both going to, to amplify in the end times. It's just a matter of which side do you want to be on? Uh, if you want to just uh, sit there and, and suffer and wallow in your sins, or if you're going to actually be proactive and um, start helping other people. I, I think the whole ministering model uh, just, just there in and of itself is uh, kind of what he's talking about, that Jehovah manifests his salvation in Zion. Well, and as, as tribulations and disasters and things like that happen, as they come, they will impact the righteous and the wicked, right? Mm -hmm. But the righteous will turn to Christ. The righteous will turn to serving other people but, and lifting um, them up and trying to make things better. And, you know, the wicked will just wallow in it, right? And, and if they'll either repent or they'll harden their hearts. And those that harden their hearts, it will definitely be a punitive suffering for them. But those who come to Zion, they will then have that redemptive. They'll still have to go through suffering, but it will be for a positive outcome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So like the humiliation before exaltation, that there's a descent before we ascend. Mm -hmm. right. Yeah. I think that was one of the major things that... Um, the major aha moments with Isaiah in general was just the descent before us. And I never understood that principle before then. And it was like, oh, everything starts making sense once you get that pattern. Uh, it just makes so much sense. Um, so let's dive in and, and read some about the, this tell of two cities here. Um, <clears throat> so I've just kind of taken the specific verses so that we're not going through um, all of them, uh, because I wanted to get through uh, all of the, the main points here. So on the left-hand side is the, the negative or the city Babylon versus the, the right side that is um, the city Zion or the, the good outcomes of each of these. So um, yeah, Nancy, would you read the, the left-hand column here? Sure. Punishes those who misrule. In that day will Jehovah deal on high with the hosts on high and on earth with the rulers of the earth. They shall be herded together like prisoners to a dungeon and shut in confinement many days as punishment. Was he smitten as were his smiters or was he slain as were they who slew him? And then mother, would you read uh, the right hand sign? Okay. <clears throat> You were refuge, no, you were a refuge for the poor, a shelter for the needy in distress, a, a covert from the downpour and the shade from the heat. When the blasts of tyrants beat down like torrents against a wall, in that day you will say, this is our God whom we expected would save us. This is Jehovah for whom we have waited. Let us joyfully celebrate his salvation. Those whose minds are steadfast, O Jehovah, you preserve in perfect peace, for in you they are secure. It is trodden underfoot by the feet of the poor, 
by the footsteps of those impoverished. So yeah, we see just the, the equal but opposite, how um, those who, who subjugate uh, and cause the poor to get poorer or to, to put down the needy, he punishes those in, in that day. Um, but yet, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth, right? I mean, that's kind of the, the whole point of, of this section. <clears throat> um, then it says uh, here in a different context. So this is where um, he's overtaking the inhabitants versus being a refuge for uh, the righteous. It says, terrors and pitfalls and traps await you, O inhabitants of the earth. Those who flee at the sound of terror shall fall into a pit, and those who get caught up from the pit shall be caught in a trap. And when the windows on high are open, the earth shall shake to its foundations. I think that that's like such bad imagery right there. Like, so, I mean, those that um, uh, flee are going to fall, but then as soon as you get out of the pit, then you're going to be caught in a trap. It, <laughs> like how many cartoons or whatever have we seen like they just can't catch a break kind of thing but that's what happens when um uh, the the end times befall the the wicked there and then um nancy would you read the the right hand column here you were a refuge for the poor a shelter for the needy in distress oh you already had us read that yeah just a second let me see which ones i Delivers poor and needy. Okay. Yeah, I miscopied some of those somehow. So just like 27 on down, I think. Okay. In that day, sing of the earth as of a delightful vineyard, of which I, Jehovah, am keeper. I water it constantly, watch over it night and day, lest anything be amiss. I have no more anger toward her. Should briars and thorns come up, I will ruthlessly attack them and altogether set them ablaze. But should they take hold of me for a refuge and make peace with me, they shall be reconciled to me. <laughs> I, I love that imagery of verse four there. Um, should briars and thorns come up, I will ruthlessly attack them and set them ablaze. Like that, that's the kind of Jehovah I'm looking for. I want to be on the right side. I want to be in city Zion so that I don't have to deal with all of the, the traps and snares and pits. I want this. Um, Mother, would you read both columns there? Yes. They are dead to live no more. Spirits who will not rise up, you appoint them to destruction, wiping out all recollection of them. Yet shall your dead live when their bodies arise, you will say to them, awake and sing of joy, you who abide in the dust. Your dew is the dew of sunrise, where the earth shall cast up its dead. All right. <clears throat> so just a resurrection principle. That's uh, a covenant curse for the wicked versus the, um, uh, the, the blessing, the covenant blessing for for Jehovah's people here. I think this is some interesting wording though. What, what do you make of this? So, um, horizon sing for joy, uh, you who abide in the dust, your dew is the dew of sunrise. I mean, that's some just interesting parallels. Any insights on, on that? Your dew is the dew of sunrise. Well, you'll, 
you get you'll get brighter and brighter you'll your your future will become brighter and brighter mm -hmm. um and the, the dew on sun at sunrise it doesn't come on all at once it's very slow you just see it gradually appear on the on the plants it's not like rain or anything like that uh -huh. it's it's just a very very slow process and all of a sudden you realize that that's where it is it's like condensing steam yeah and so um the thing that comes to mind when you said that was i somewhere doctrine and covenants where the doctrine of the priesthood shall distill upon your soul as the dews from heaven kind of that, mm -hmm. that same principle there interesting i wouldn't have put that together but yeah that makes a lot of sense and our our sacrament ham as it dues from him distilling. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So the for the earth shall cast up its dead. Anyway, very interesting imagery there, I love Isaiah. Um, so it says uh, a deposition of earth's rulers versus exalting the righteous. In that day will Jehovah deal on high with the hosts on high and on earth with the rulers of the earth. They shall be herded together like prisoners to a dungeon and shut in confinement many days as punishment. O Jehovah, our God, lords, uh, other than you have ruled over us, but you alone we recall by name. They are dead to live no more, spirits who will not rise up. You appoint them to destruction, wiping out all recollection of them. And then, Nancy, would you read uh, the right hand? Adults is righteous. From a sector of the earth we hear singing. Glorious are the righteous, whereas I thought I am wasting away, I am weakening, woe is me, the traitors have been treacherous, the turncoats have deceitfully betrayed, you have enlarged the nation, O Jehovah, and by enlarging it, it gained glory for yourself, you have withdrawn all borders in the earth. Yeah, I, I love that, so whereas I thought I am wasting away, so like it's kind of that decent before ascent, right? I mean, mm -hmm. uh, some of these things are like, oh man, I thought I was wasting away. Like some of my trials are um, getting worse. Why Why can't I uh, get on top of this kind of thing? I don't know how many times my mom has said that to me. Like, I'm trying harder. Why is it getting worse? <laughs> but, if you're going um, in the right direction and the adversary is trying to stop you. <laughs> Where it says the traitors have been treacherous. The turncoats have deceitfully betrayed. I think this is coming. If you remember, I think it was a couple conferences ago when President Nelson talked about um, being betrayed by those who you thought were your friends. Oh, wow. I had kind of forgotten that until it, now. It was either in a conference talk or in that April 2020 Ensign article. Uh -huh. I don't remember which one it was, but he he talked about how um you know you will be betrayed by those you will be betrayed by those who thought were your friends and that to me is this traitors have been treacherous the turncoats have deceitfully betrayed yeah. and so you might feel this this woe is me attitude about the trials especially when that happens um you know i've heard so many people talk about 
their families don't want to talk to them and their families won't let them come and visit or come and see or do anything because they haven't done a certain medical procedure. Um, and so it, it really is just tearing everybody apart and they're just feeling like I, I've been betrayed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But, you know, Jehovah is going to make it all better and he's going to enlarge the borders of the nation, of his nation. And as, as people who don't want to be in Babylon anymore flee to Zion, they will be taught and Zion will expand. Yeah, for sure. Um, something that popped in my head just barely popped right back out and I can't think of it. But um, what's it? Oh, oh, the three tests of loyalty. So on the Zion Jerusalem level, in order to ascend to the sun servant level, he talks about the three tests. Yeah. Number one, fleeing Babylon. Number two, being... Uh, 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 tested or tried uh, politically nigh unto death kind of thing and then the third one is like persecution uh, ecclesiastically so the um uh, that might come uh, in different ways and aspects in all of our lives but those are the three tests that um help propel us forward but that that third test is is a really hard one the ecclesi ecclesiastical persecution of you know, maybe our family members just think we're out on a crazy limb and they just persecute us because of our testimonies or of the learning that we're, we're having. Uh, some people in our congregations might not understand it and, and persecute us. You know, you see some of, uh, you know, our, our great friends, you know, like how many people have just railed on Jody, but like Jody's like one of the most learned, like people in second coming type stuff. And, you know, she's done great, uh, uh, studies and, and stuff but you know how many people have tried to get her excommunicated or, or something it's like sometimes there's traitors have been treacherous and turncoats deceitfully betrayed <laughs> i can see that playing in there mm -hmm. all right mother would you read those two you're mute men no longer drink wine amid song liquor has turned bitter to drinkers Outside is heard the clamor for wine. Though all joy has become gloom, the earth's vitality is gone. In this mountain will Jehovah of hosts prepare a sumptuous feast for all peoples, a feast of leavened cakes, succulent and delectable, of matured wines well refined. All right, so we're finally going to get some good wine. We've obeyed the word of wisdom, and then we're going to get drunk. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how else you would interpret that, but <laughs> I've seen the uh, the effects of being drunk, and uh, I think I'd find some other way to celebrate. <laughs> <laughs> yep. But anyway, just this this idea that the the earth's vitality is gone. You know, all of these things that the the world seek after so much is just dried up uh, and yet the lord is preparing the sumptuous feast of all of the the great things and um i don't know it's interesting this caught my eye a feast of leavened cakes you know we we always have the feast of unleavened bread right you know and pointing forward to 
the actual sumptuous feast where where Christ comes and uh, gives us the the full enchilada here. And if you think about if you think about why they had unleavened bread, they had unleavened bread for a couple of reasons. One is because um, they needed to leave in a hurry. They didn't have time to let the bread rise. So you know you have that. And then you know leaven does um, cause some decay and can make the bread spoil faster. So they needed something that they could eat for a long time um, that they could make and take with them in haste, but that would last them for a while um, and they'd still be able to eat it. But leavened cakes, this isn't even bread. This is cake. <laughs> cake. This, this is, is good. This is, you know, sumptuous desserts, you know, those kinds of things, they mold really fast right? And, yep. and, and how would you have a feast of that? If you had a feast of this, because they, you know, there's this never-ending supply, and you don't have to worry about it going bad, and you don't worry about the time it's going to take to make it, because you're no longer in a hurry. You're, no, you're not running away from anything. You are in the rest of the Lord, and you're not hurrying for anything. You don't have to um, do without, and um, have the oh what's the word oh well um you know you you don't have to be deprived mm -hmm. right you can have those things and the lord it, it kind of just shows you how much the lord blesses his people mm -hmm. yeah. he truly will give you more than you could ever imagine sounds like the wedding feast to me it does mm -hmm. yeah Marie Antoinette was just way ahead of her time. <laughs> Those cakes, let them eat. That's right. Um, all right. So then we're talking about joy. There's this huge dichotomy in the tale of two cities here about the, the joy aspect of this. So the new wine withers on languishing vines, making all the lighthearted lament. The rhythm of drums ceases. The revelers' dins stop. The pulsating of liars comes to an end. Men no longer drink wine amid strong, uh, amid song. <laughs> Liquor has turned bitter to drinkers. The towns of disorder are broken up. All houses are sh shuttered that none may enter. Outside is heard the clamor for wine, though all joy has become gloom. The earth's vitality is gone. And then would you read that uh, right column, Nance? Sure. Then will these lift up their voice and shout for joy, and those from across the sea exalt at Jehovah's ingenuity. Because of it, they will give glory to Jehovah in the regions of sunrise, and in the isles of the sea to the name of Jehovah, the God of Israel. From a sector of the earth we hear singing, glorious are the righteous, whereas I thought I am wasting away, I am weakening, woe is me. The traitors have been treacherous, the turncoats have deceitfully betrayed. In that day, you will say, this is our God whom we expected would save us. This is Jehovah for whom we have waited. Let us joyfully celebrate his salvation. Yet shall your dead live when their bodies arise. You will say to them, awake and sing for joy, you who abide in the dust. Your dew is the dew of sunrise, for the earth shall cast up its dead. In that day, sing of the earth as of a delightful vineyard. 
Yeah, those are all things I want. <laughs> this right-hand column is getting more and more appealing. Um, mm -hmm. let's see. So we have one more section left. Mother, would you read the, the left hand? The towns of disorder are broken up. All houses are shuttered. That none may enter. Havoc remains in the city. The gates lie battered to ruin. You have made the city a heap of rubble. Fortified towns a ruin. Heathen mansions shall no more form cities, nor ever be rebuilt. He has put down the elite inhabitants of the exalted city by casting it to the ground, lay it even with the dust. Because of them that fortified cities lie forlorn, deserted habitations forsaken like a wilderness, steers forage and recline there, stripping bare the young branches of the trees. And then the righteous city is saved. In that day shall the song be sung in the land of Judah. Our city is strong. Salvation he has set up as walls and barricades. Open the gates to let in uh, the nation righteous because it keeps faith. Those whose minds are steadfast, O Jehovah, you preserve in perfect peace. For in you they are secure. Ever trust in Jehovah, for Jehovah Yah is an everlasting rock. I think I copied that all. I, I don't know if that was supposed to be Yahweh or if it was abbreviated in the translation. But um, uh, anyway, I, I just love these comparisons. This tale of two cities was kind of eye-opening for me um, to just kind of see that, that principle of ruin and rebirth where it's kind of like these, these scales. As soon as one goes up, the other comes down, uh, vice versa. Um, and... Is basically which side do you want to be on? What what kind of law do you want to live so that you can be in the the right hand column here, and eventually be saved, have the joy, have the wine, have all of the blessings that that the Lord is preparing for the righteous in the last days. Uh, I think that that's just crucial. <laughs> I, I mean, we we always hear you know like what team do you want to be on, etc. You pick the side, and we know what side's going to win. But in reality, how many of us are, are striving to live the law that merits those kind of blessings? And, and it, it's kind of a hard uphill battle, but um, uh, agency is, is always enforced and uh, we can uh, choose to, to pick the, the harder road in order to, to gain those blessings. So... Um, In the, the book here, it talks about how the first unit, so what's the difference between this week and next week? The first unit is all about temporal salvation. So it's talking about these two cities and how the Davidic servant comes in and, and helps actually redeem the, the city Zion and, and put down the, the greater Babylon. But in the second half, so next week is all about Christ and the need for a savior and the spiritual salvation. So first unit, temporal, second unit, spiritual. And um, we'll see in uh, next week's reading, you know, some of the, the greatest passages of Isaiah that are quoted uh, all over the place um, is about why we even need a savior and what that looks like when we actually are saved by him through Gethsemane and the cross, etc. And 
and how that lifts and propels us forward. Um, but yeah, any, just what all you got? <laughs> Ideas, comments, questions, what, how do we put this all into practice? How do we take what we're learning in Isaiah and, and live this? How do we ascend the ladder with this information from the suffering salvation section or, or anything else? I know that's a mouthful. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think Isaiah has been such an eye-opening exercise for me in just kind of taking paradoxes that I've always had like, okay, how do I do this and this? They seem to be kind of conflicting principles. Uh, how do I, you know, because like suffering, nobody wants to suffer, but like, yet this is such a important principle to, to actually willingly and, and joyfully go through trials kind of a thing. I think that that was one of the, the main eye-opening things to me with reading Isaiah, how, how it forms this pattern, gives us lots of examples and uh, helps us in that era. Thank you. Cameron, this is Teresa. Yeah. Hey, I was thinking about this. Something I learned early, I don't know, early in my marriage is um, that when we suffer, um, something we can do to kind of bring, bring a proper perspective is to ask Heavenly Father, like, what do you want me to learn instead of why me? It was an institute teacher that was our gospel doctrine um, leader that, um, that taught that principle and I don't know why that's always stuck with me but it has and um it's been a great blessing for me but one of the things you open up with I switching over to a question (laughs) um you were saying that all suffering I don't know if it was you or Nancy who said this but or if we read it I can't remember but all suffering is because of some breached contract or covenant before whether it be generational or so forth so Uh that makes me really wonder and question like because I've had a lot of suffering with losing children before they're born miscarriages stillborn um so that just makes me wonder like do you have any perspective on that because I definitely have never um thought about that um or you know um, made that connection at all and even as you were talking I was trying to figure out was this a generational thing was this something I've done I, in fact I've, I've asked that already and I, I got the answer that it wasn't anything that I've done or anyway so mm-hmm. any yeah. insights on that yeah so um kind of going back to and I'm not trying to like blanket statement all of this hopefully uh, through all of this rambling that you might get something out of it but um <laughs> so the the difference between sin and iniquity was a huge one for for me to to understand comprehend through Isaiah where sins are our own uh, things that that we've done specifically and merit the covenantal curses directly and so those are kind of the punitive sufferings that we have to go through like we can't choose the consequences of our actions but we can certainly choose to sin or or, uh, transgress and and bring upon ourselves those covenants or or those curses i mean versus iniquities that are passed down from from previous generations so the example we used in group a was um 
like alcoholism or, or something like that, you know, the children don't have to pay for the sin of their parents, but they definitely have to deal with the iniquities, right? I mean, they're, they're going to have, uh, you know, depending on circumstances and stuff, they, uh, may grow up and, and become drinkers themselves. They may have to deal with actual physiological, uh, impairments because of their parents' actions, um, in, in utero kind of thing. But like, um, we still have to deal with iniquities of our fathers and, and change those around. So, um, like take a look at father Abraham, how we studied his life. He had to, to flee Ur. Um, when he was being sacrificed on an altar, the idolatry of his fathers had reached a, a huge pinnacle or climax. And, um, and through that, he had to get out of there and then fix the idolatry within himself and his family so that that wasn't perpetuated forward. Um, he, you know, he tried to save his father, Tara. He tried to... Um, you know, he tried to help him out, but Tara just wouldn't listen in the end and had to be left in Haran. But the fact that he took that idolatry, weeded it out of his life and turned it into the chesed or that loving kindness that is still known in the earth today. You know, that, that loving kindness mm -hmm. of, of Abraham is, is perpetuated amongst all his descendants in, in great measure. So taking all of that, the, the sin versus iniquity kind of principle, and, you know, I, I have never dealt with, with miscarriage or, or any of those kind of issues. And so I'm, I'm not trying to, to speak as an expert in any way, shape or form, but like mm -hmm. that, you know, it definitely wasn't a, a sin on your part, a direct kind of thing like that, you know, where you've went to, to Heavenly Father and, and he's given you that answer. Um, it, it could be just challenges and trials that we have to go through so that we can willingly suffer in order to grow and um and and propel yeah. us forward kind of just now that's what's coming to me is that descend before ascending that's mm -hmm. definitely been been a pattern <laughs> yeah. oh, suffering those losses over and over and over <laughs> um for sure yeah because um all suffering can, can turn for our good if, if we allow it to, you know, if we just wallowed in that, then, you know, it, it's just suffering for suffering's sake. But yet we know that, that those children will receive bodies, will have opportunities. That's what millennium's all about. Um, uh, you know, there's, there's lots of different answers, you know, textbook answers for um, how to, to kind of deal with that. But in, in the scope of us ourselves, how we can cope and, and, and overcome some of those, uh, those feelings and the, the deepness of sorrow that we might be able to experience through those is, is for our own good so that we can, can help others through it so that we can, um, you know, it's all about uh, the ministering ladder to heaven, whether it's just mm -hmm. for ourselves in order to ascend uh, through those trials or, or to actually help others as well. I don't know any other insights, comments from, from everyone else. I feel like I'm just monopolizing everything, <laughs> but yeah, no, I think that that's that an important great. question to, to, to wrestle with because we all deal with some of the, uh, the greatest unknowns in life that, you know, sometimes we're just like, why, 
but uh, I think everything has an answer in the Lord. Yes, and like I said, I try not to go to why. Like, what? What am I supposed mm-hmm. to learn? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, that's that's the important thing. If there, if you can recognize that there is something to be learned from every trial or every challenge, and then maybe it's not something for you to learn. Maybe it's something for somebody else to learn. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and we we are just a uh, a part of the lesson for somebody else. I, you know, a lot of times that um, uh, in particular, um, uh, well, you know, if somebody is a, is a, a victim of some kind of an abuse mm-hmm. um, and we, and it may be that that individual uh, who is doing the abusing in, in pre-earth life wanted to know what forgiveness was really all about uh, but unless the, somebody was willing to be a victim or willing to take the abuse and and then not pass it on uh, they wouldn't be able to understand what true mercy and true forgiveness is all about uh, not to say that those people who are abused have made that choice or made that request but there's a lot of there's a lot of intricacies of life that I think are part of <clears throat> of the, uh, of, of the, I don't know, contract or the card, part of the thing we had asked the father ahead of time to teach us. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, and as far as uh, the parts uh, of, of your body not being able to produce or to fulfill the coming along of the rest of the children, I don't know, maybe there's a patience factor there. Maybe there's a, a Maybe there's a a uh, an location. Maybe there's something that's causing um, that somebody else needs to recognize, and they haven't recognized it yet. I don't know. Uh, I'm I'm just kind of spitballing this, but I do know that the Lord never puts us through or allows us to go through a challenge unless there's something to be learned and an experience to be gained and a compassion to have for somebody else because mm-hmm. that's what he's wanting us to do he is preparing us he's sanctifying us to become like he is and therefore in order for us to have certain compassions and certain trusts and certain understandings of the suffering of the human soul the only way to truly understand it is to experience it for a time a season and then, uh, and then we are changed and we become more compassionate. For sure. There's a quote by Orson F. Whitney that um, you might be familiar with, that one that talks about no pain that we suffer, no trial that we um, go through. Can't remember it verbatim right now, but, um, but it's to aid our experience and be more compassionate, more loving, more all those things you just explained, but his, his quote's really beautiful. That gave, um, has given me lots of comfort through lots of trials. Sure. You know, sometimes a loss helps to bring a couple together or, or sometimes a trial for one is to help to strengthen a relationship between one or both. Uh, sometimes uh, hardship is to help us to focus our true 
um, intentions and what we really want and what we want to truly ask the Lord for, you know, uh, those are all things that help us to refine our worship. You know, as we get older and as we practice prayer, we refine our prayers. They get better. They get more efficient. They become uh, more powerful. And not only that, but we can, especially for those who don't pray so much for themselves, but they pray for others, they can send power and they can send helping and healing and angels anywhere in the world. And, and that becomes an extremely powerful talent and gift that the Lord helps us to refine and to do. Hmm, I yeah. love that. Yeah. I have become kind of a gifted healer and in an in in ability to call upon that power. So thank you for that. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Thank you. And then Leslie's raised her hand. Oh, you're muted. Sorry. There you go. That's better. Um, I agree with what's been said about um, gaining compassion and experience and to be able to bless the lives of other people. And when you were um, abuse was being talked about, I um, that would be my background. And I, in more than one blessing, priesthood blessing I was given, I was told that I would be a chain breaker um, for, um, for that generation. I'm also a convert. My husband's a convert. And so a lot of the things that were in our family, um, generationally were stopped with us. And and some have just by the fact that we chose a different path, but other things, um, chains were broken by the experiences that we had to, um, to consciously choose differently over time. And it can be really hard. Um, That's not talking, addressing um, what Teresa is talking about, but um, I firmly believe in everything that y'all said that it's for our blessing and we can use that to help others. Sure, when those people can be the, the absorber of the iniquity and not and then not turn around and pass it on so that it stops the wave, it breaks the chain like you had spoken of. Uh, sometimes that is maybe their biggest um, uh, task, their mission in life is to be that person to break that chain. And it takes a lot of suffering. It takes a lot of uh, uh, long suffering, patience and meekness, especially if you have the ability to, to create harm or to get re, uh, re, repercussion set back, you have made the covenant to be like the Savior and to absorb it, mm-hmm. to engulf it, and to destroy it, and then not pass it on. And it, in time, sometimes maybe that's what it takes to have the aggressive individual to come to their senses. I, I don't mm-hmm. know if that's what... The Lord has told me. True. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting as we kind of 
sometimes it's hard to, to see in ourselves uh, readily, but um, we can sure see it in other people, right? They're like, oh, you're just like your mother or, oh, you, that, that's a generational thing that's been passed on in your family for sure. But recognizing it in ourselves is, is kind of a, an uphill battle. Sometimes we might, even when we do recognize it, it's really hard to, to fight it because it's so ingrained in us because that's how we grew up or whatever. Um, but, um, you know, obviously there's lots of different uh, topics being uh, talked about here, you know, abuse versus uh, miscarriage versus uh, just temperament and uh, uh, actions and stuff. But um, all in all, these things are, are given to us kind of, you know, from the Adam and Eve example that we might know the good from the evil as we experience these things. We can have our, our descents so that we can ascend. Everything's for our good. And um, all of the suffering it has a purpose if we'll use it as such and not just just wallow in it. Or as, as Maxwell says, that, that we shrink uh, because of our sufferings. That Anyway, it, it's, it's an amazing program, but sometimes it's really hard <laughs> to, to go through those things and, and experience such depths of, uh, of suffering. Um, I don't know. That <laughs> it's going to be. You, know, if you, think about, you think about the explanation that Alma the Younger gave to his sons about his experience when he and the sons of Mosiah were out creating ruckus. And then the, the angel came to him and said, uh, you need to quit. And he says, <clears throat> the, uh, the, how I was racked with eternal pain, but how, how sweet and equal and uh, over an abundance was my joy to have called upon Christ and, and to have received that forgiveness. So whatever amount of suffering and whatever amount of pain we do to help further the cause of the savior we will be given greater the recompense of joy and happiness um and sometimes sometimes it's just the gratitude of those people whom you helped to repent um and 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 that's one of the things that alma did you know he he felt like he had murdered many people because of teaching the unbeliefs and that he spent literally the rest of his life just trying to make up for it. Not necessarily a one-for-one um, trade-off with those that were lost and then those that were saved, but I think he, he became, he had the joy of helping and assisting others to Christ that he never wanted to stop. In fact, his joy of, of being a, a, a promoter of Christ was so much greater than when he was being a, a demoter of Christ that it lasted for much longer in his life on the positive side than it ever would have had on the negative side. Mm -hmm. Can I add one more thing in? Yeah. <laughs> um, I think this is the quote that Teresa was talking about. Um, Every experience that you have passed through is necessary for your salvation. And I'm guessing it was quoted by multiple um, church leaders. Brigham Young said it. And um, one of the talks that uh, um, President Faust gave, 
he quoted Brigham Young in that. And I, I can't remember the talk, but um, that was a hard pill for me to swallow. Um, <laughs> well, bye. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Sometimes uh, it just seems like the weight of the world is all on your shoulders and you're like oh my goodness how do I why you know kind of thing but but yeah looking at it and um, having a good proper perspective of knowledge I, I think that that's what's so great about um, Isaiah it's just really changing my paradigm and, and helping me see an even fuller context of of some of these things but um, the the idea of redemptive suffering of proxy suffering of helping helping others unload some of their covenant curses so that they can turn around and repent. So the, uh, the Hezekiah story where he takes upon himself the boil nigh unto death so that his people may be saved temporally in um, when, when the enemy's knocking at the door uh, kind of thing. And so uh, through that Davidic covenant, through that proxy suffering that, that he was able to uh, to willingly take upon himself he was able to save a whole group of people and so as we start uh, looking towards that here we have the tale of two cities and we have this davidic end time servant that is going to be doing the the same things that hezekiah was doing but also as avraham mentions at the beginning of the book that as we see these things amping up the lord's going to to call on lots of proxy saviors to to start uh, taking upon some of these sufferings in order for temporal salvation of his people so that they can come to Zion. And that's what becoming kings and queens of the Gentiles is all about. And that's what the 144's mission is. So anything on the son servant level and up is, is to become proxy saviors and to willingly take on suffering um, for others in a proxy role. Uh, you know, as I, before Isaiah, you know, saviors on Mount Zion or, or the term proxy work uh, was very superficial. It's just, oh, printing off a name from family search and, and taking it through the temple, spending a couple hours, you know, that, that was the extent of my, my proxy work. But, but now uh, the, the learning from Isaiah and, and what proxy suffering and, and salvation is all about is huge it's, it's changed my whole paradigm it's it's a very interesting conundrum to work through but but as we go through uh this this learning through isaiah i i think that it's uh really timely as, as we head into these last days i mean we can see um the both sufferings both redemptive and punitive suffering really amping up just as isaiah prophesied and that's when uh, Jehovah shows his salvation through, uh, in Zion, through his proxy saviors. I think that that's, that's huge. That's what we're gearing up for. <laughs> well, and I think that many of the people who end up being those chain breakers for their families, that before they came here, they volunteered, right? Mm -hmm. So if you find yourself in one of those positions and you start, you know, occasionally, you know, you're going to say, why me? Why does this have to be me that does this? Why did I have to go through this? Stop and think. You may have volunteered because you loved your family and you loved them so much. You said, I will go 
just like Craig said, I will go and I will suffer for them. That maybe you said, I will go, I will suffer um, to break this chain. And, and as you said, become a proxy savior on Mount Zion for your family. And especially if you're a convert and you have all of this behind you, you can do that work for your family and you can, you can be that savior. And it's interesting that like that example, when you said uh, that I will go, you know, like the, there's a, a petition, a request for, for someone to go and, and Christ willingly uh, submits. And in Isaiah chapter six, when uh, Isaiah has his theophany there in the temple, uh, again, uh, the Lord asks, who will go for us? And Isaiah says, I will. I don't know what I'm going to be doing yet, but I'll, I'll do it. <laughs> and uh, he becomes a proxy savior for for his people in that it's like mm -hmm. the lord seems to always be extending that invitation or or that petition that request who will go and in in the end times we have to be the ones that, that step up and yeah we'll do it willingly we'll we'll go uh he the yeah. who will go and serve who will go and serve someone else who will go and minister to someone else without being asked asked without being assigned without you know any of these other things who will go and out of love minister to someone else and i think that that's what we're going to see when we finally build zion that's what we're going to see we're going to see people who will willingly, voluntarily do things for other people. And they won't have to be asked. They won't have to be something they can't do. You know, well, they can't do this for themselves, so I'll do it. Many of it may be things that they could do for themselves, but let me do this for you. And then those people in turn do something for someone else. And think about what kind of a fantastic world that would be if everybody did things for everybody else. If you didn't do anything for yourself, somebody else always did it for you and everybody was serving someone else. Mm -hmm. Think about that kind of ministering. That is truly that higher and holier way of ministering to someone is to serve them and in whatever way is needed. So um, yeah, without being asked to just see something's needed let me go and help. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, anything else? Any final comments before we kind of wrap up for the night? <laughs> yeah, I never know where things are going to go. I, <laughs> I was hoping that I had enough material to talk and I didn't. And I, <laughs> I was like, okay, 20 minutes left. What have we got? And we had some great discussion. Thank you all. You know, we're good talkers. We could always come up with something to talk about. Yes. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, um, actually, before we head off, so with the book club um, uh, next semester, whatever we want to call it, it will be Triumph of Zion, uh, John Pontius. So get your books ordered if you haven't uh, already got a copy of it. And from people's responses, I wanted to, to see. So it looked like 
the ideal times for people were Sundays at 6 p.m., Sundays at 9 p.m., and Wednesdays at 9 p.m. So does like for this group, I it was kind of hard looking through through some of the, the surveys. Do you want to keep it at eight or would you rather move it to nine? Does that work better for, for Sundays? Um, what what works good for you guys? I'm good with anyway. Yeah, me too. Yeah, okay. I'm either way as, as well. Okay. I, I think we would probably rather have eight just because it keeps us from being up quite so late. We do have some early mornings, but um, I can see benefits to nine o'clock. I mean, how many times have I been late because my family has been here on <laughs> Sunday night? <laughs> But yeah, I just want to make sure that it works for everyone. But yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm always good. That that Wednesday nine o'clock. Oh my gosh, I'm always going to bed so late after it because I don't know. After talking and and chatting and stuff, my brain is just awake and I can't go to sleep. And I'm like, oh my gosh, because I have to wake up at like four o'clock or five o'clock the next morning. And it's like, oh, those nights are real hard, but I do it because it's so fun. <laughs> but I'm not a spring chicken like I used to be. But yeah, so if we just keep it at, at eight, that, that'll work. work for everyone. Okay. Yeah, you're not a spring chicken. <laughs> <You're> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm feeling it. I <laughs> I, I was working because I, I have two or three jobs, but uh, this Saturday I was working in the restaurant and I had to bend down and pick up a French fry that I dropped. And oh my gosh, I was like, oh, I'm so old. I can't even do it. And um, the, the, the owner or whatever uh, also had to bend down and, and pick something up or whatever. And he actually like groaned in pain or whatever. And he's only a couple of years older than me. And I'm like, we, there's something wrong. We're, <laughs> we're not that old, but we're, we're both feeling it. <laughs> I feel your pain. <laughs> Yep. Uh, spring as I used to be. Anyway, it's been fun. We will see everyone next week. Uh, next week, I'll, I'll be in the Wheeler's house. Uh, education yeah. week. So it'll be an interesting one. <laughs> it'll be an interesting one. <laughs> well, yeah, because like half of our group will all just be in one room. <laughs> then we'll have everybody else. Yep. 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 It'll be fine. Oh, that's. That's fun. I'm kind of, I'm going to education week as well. Are you serious? Yeah. We'll have to like meet up. There's a, a few of us in the groups or whatever that are going down to education week, but yeah, education week is like one of my must do's every year. Mm -hmm. uh, I could care less about all the other vacations and stuff. I, <laughs> I always go to education week. <laughs> That's awesome. Yep. So but, yeah. Teresa, do you live nearby or are you staying somewhere? No, I'm, I live in Oregon, so I have, my in-laws are in Provo, so mm -hmm. yeah, we'll be with them. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that'll be fun. I'll send you my uh, schedule, and we'll see if we have any common classes or, or other times that we can meet up and stuff, but yeah, I'm going to be doing um, the Sunday classes at the Wheeler's house, and then um, that. Uh, well, how are we doing Wednesday night? How are you doing Wednesday night? 
the Wednesday night one, they because there was two different time slots that they could choose from, and they chose from seven to eight, which is in between two of my classes. And so I, I'm just going to do it there from the, the Wilkinson Center. Hopefully I can find a semi-quiet place at seven o'clock. <laughs> it shouldn't be too hard, right? <laughs> I don't know. It, the, my mom might have to carry most of that conversation. <laughs> I'll be able to like just mute myself and then talk every once in a while. Just go in the basement there at the Wilkinson Center. It's quiet down there. Yeah, I'll just go bowling. <laughs> Yeah, just sit by the um, ping pong tables and the pool tables. Mm -hmm. They yeah. got some comfy chairs there. Yeah, that actually pretty good. Yeah, I'm sure mm -hmm. I can find some place. Usually at night, there it kind of dwindles down a little. <clears throat> but yeah, I'm I'm super excited. It's gonna be some some fun classes this year. It is. It's gonna be great. All right. We will see everyone next week. Okay. Okay. Bye. Good night. Thank you. Yeah. Bye.